If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. I am so excited to welcome our guest, Tamika Chambers. Tamika, welcome to the One Voice Podcast. Hi, Nicole. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much to talk to you. So awesome. Yeah. And Mary's here too. Hey, Mary. Hey. <laughs> hey, Mary. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Tamika, um, you reached out to me, I don't know how long ago, but I was so excited when I just started to learn a little bit about you. And I've seen some of the stuff that you um, kind of put out. I love the way that you talk about sexual abuse. I love the way that you talk about healing. It's very uh, validating and wise, but also very comforting and positive. And so I was really excited to not only hear a little bit about your story, but also just some of your major passions when it comes to the healing journey and your own work and advocacy. So if you don't mind just sharing a little bit about yourself, um, you know, what you do now, you just told us that you are on the coast of Oregon. So we're going to start out being real jealous. Um, (laughs) And also just a little bit of your story too, if you don't mind. Yeah. If I can actually uh, rewind a little bit, take you through my heels, dark heels, uh, valleys, uh, steep mountains. Um, and, And it actually, over the years, pieces of the puzzle came together. And that's one of the things that I, I really try to encourage people to see is that healing is, it's necessary, it's possible, and it's, it's, a, it's a progress. It's mm-hmm. not something that we do overnight. It is something that is intertwined when you have been through a traumatic experience, a potentially traumatic experience. It's something that's intertwined into who you are. And the key is finding out how you can use it for good instead of evil. And so our, our, our light to in the darkness that is going on. So I'll start with my childhood. I was, um, my mother told me that shortly after she married my husband and also too, after my birth in 1975, she saw a different side of him. Um, he was, um, it was more like this Jekyll and Hyde personality. Some days he was good, mm-hmm. nice. Other days she didn't know he was kind of mean. He'd come to her with, with uh, boxing gloves, like he had boxing gloves on his fists. Mm-hmm. And um, like in real one, life, like, like he had real him. life. And oh. yeah, like, like, well, like he would come to her and he would have his fist balled up and mm. would like treat her like she was a boxing, one mm. of those boxing things to use. I forget a punching the name bag. Punching bag. Like yeah. she was this punching bag. And I remember one day my mother told my brother and I, uh, I'm the oldest, he t- she told uh, my brother and I to go into our shared be- be- bedroom in the Memphis apartment and to stay put. Mm-hmm. And curiosity led me out of our bedroom to the door that led into our living room and the door mm-hmm. was closed. Mm-hmm. And I looked through the peephole, you know, little girls squinting her eye through the peephole to look. And I saw my mom on a couch. And I saw this overwhelming sadness in her face. 
and her explaining arms, just kind of moving and explaining to this cop, this guy in a dark blue uniform, the police, there were two of them there, but I could see the full body of one standing in front of her and explaining in desperation of what was going on, what had took place prior to their call. And I saw that and I felt that in my heart. And so one of the one of the things that happened, and I believe it was shortly after this, is that I was in the car with a family member who I found out was my father's cousin. And I just said, daddy abuses mom. She's in her trance and she's driving. And all of a sudden her trance breaks. And I said, and she said, what did you say? And I sat up a little taller because I felt like, oh, she just listened to me. And I said, daddy abuses mom. She went back to her trance, driving, said nothing about that. The next vivid memory I, I have is me sitting in a chair in one of our kitchen chairs in our Memphis apartment. Fat, my back was facing the door, the front door, and my father was over to my right, my mother to my left, and my father looking like a ball of fire, literally a ball of fist, had no business telling me what was going on at home. That's one thing I definitely remember him saying. And I'm thinking to myself, and I went inward at that moment and said, was I wrong? Did I do something wrong? And I came out believing that you had no right. Nobody has any right to abuse anyone. And so I came out believing that he did not want to admit to his behavior. And so shortly after that, my mom left. But what I what I know what happened that day, even though I had this conviction in me that I was right to tell seeds of doubt entered my subconscious mind, my inner Mm -hmm. garden, Mm -hmm. because when my mother finally found the courage to leave my father, we we traveled from Memphis via Greyhound bus to Illinois, East St. Louis, Illinois. And we stayed with my my mother's mom and her family, some of the family that was still there. Mm-hmm. Shortly after that, I found myself in the being led in a dark wilderness by two male family members, sexual mm-hmm. abuse. And mm-hmm. I for four and a half years, I held on to the secret. So from five till about 10-ish or so, I held on to the secret because. I, I, I didn't see doors, exits. You know, I, I was so, so, I felt like I was so far in it, so deep in it. One led with uh, intimidation and force, the other with affection and kindness. Mm-hmm. And I felt mm-hmm. like I was in it. I felt like I didn't know what to do. I didn't see the exit doors, but the exit yeah. doors were always there. I just didn't know what was on the other side of them. Mm-hmm. Would I be on trial again? Would I be believed? Would it stop? You know, and so I held on to the secret and all along I'm praying to God because my mom, that was one of the things my mom started talking about uh, is God. And I prayed to God for him to, for them to stop. And it was that day I, I heard that I stopped in my living room in our first house and I stopped in my living room and I heard this voice say that you have to tell on them, but I didn't want to tell. And it's, it's, it's so often that we don't want to tell them the person we think that is nice to us, that mm-hmm. definition of nice mm-hmm. and what we believe our elders are, are, are supposed to take care of us and, and treat us right and do us well, show us how to live our life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to tell the secret because I didn't want the nice person to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. often we, we want to protect people mm-hmm not realizing the damage that they are doing to us, the damage that is incurring inside of us. Yeah. And so um, when the secret finally came out, it was a cousin that was involved as well. And she literally cried her truth out to her parents. 
And my mother found out and she was actually talking to this parent and I knew the secret was out. And there was a, a part of me that exhaled because I was so tired of keeping the secret. And another part of me was kind of frustrated because I wish I had told before. You know, I, I, I wish I had said something before. And I tried to one day, but when the person came to me and appeared to be frustrated and mean, I lost my courage. So I, I remember the mm -hmm. one time that I did try, but I had lost my courage to do that because I didn't get the response that I was hoping that I would get. Mm -hmm. And so um, when the secret came out, I, I knew, I think there, there's something within us that knows something is off when something like that occurs, that oh, yeah. we need help. And it's a matter of knowing how do we get that help? And over this time, I'm, I'm hearing a truth within me and I'm seeing nature and looking at it and, and this wonder about nature and sitting outside and enjoying nature. And one day I just looked out of my bedroom window and I said, I want to be aligned with nature. I didn't mm. know what it meant, but today I know it was increasing consciousness within me. And so a series of events happened where I got a copy of the King James Bible. I laid on my, my carpet and I read it over the a couple of days front to back. I received um, a bookmark and I looked at my mom one day and I said, what is this? This is a bookmark. It was a white bookmark. I flipped it over. It had the Lord's prayer. Immediately oh. I knelt on my knees and I, and I memorized the prayer. It took me 15 minutes, but I stored that in my heart. And then I heard about, I saw a man on TV that had a conviction to his purpose, that despite his upbringing, being poor, feeling betrayed, he had something he was here to do. He healed those that doubted him. He spoke the truth regardless of what people said or thought about him. And he helped people even when he knew they would betray him. And that's when I learned about Jesus. And so it's, it, it, for me, it never was about uh, religious because we had stopped going to church. My mom always told us, God is in your heart. He's not in a building. And mm -hmm. so for me, I never considered myself religious because I saw quote unquote religious people do other things. The person, one of the people, one of the um, male family members that uh, sexually abused me was a deacon in a church. He was the one that was favored. Everybody loved him. He magnetized by his charm. And yeah. so for me, and I saw other things that were happening. So it wasn't about religion. It was more about a spiritual journey. It was more about, I felt like after the abuse, because we stayed, we lived across the street from the family members. We stay, I stayed there for another nine years that I had to face that every day. And for me, that what that empowered me because I saw them go on with their life. And I felt like, why should I not go on with mine? Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I didn't want them to destroy. I didn't want to feel destroyed. I didn't want to just stop living because there was so much. I said, this can't be life. Mm -hmm. There has to be more to life than mm -hmm. sexual abuse, than what I yeah. experienced. And even then I, I did not label it. And I think that worked in my favor that I did not get all wrapped in what they did. I eventually became a student of life. I said, I did not want to go through that. And I chose to learn 
from what had happened. Instead of using the word mistakes, one one day in my my mother had uh, the front yard full of plants and I used to like kind of despise, you know, like, gosh, why does she have every single grass, something growing from it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but later I realized that was my garden. That was my place mm-hmm. of my sanctuary of mm-hmm. discerning thoughts because I said, I can't, I don't like the word mistakes. It has such a negative connotation. I chose life lessons. And, and there was a thought that came to me that now this has happened, you're scared of men. And I thought to myself, it was almost like my mind went in warp speed. And I said, I cannot live like that. It came back and said, you cannot live a life of being afraid of man because not everyone is the same. And I know that's one of the things that people tend to, um, we, we, you know, going through that, we tend to believe that every guy is going to be like that and we should be afraid of men and we can't trust them. And I refuse to live my life that way. When I dated men, I never thought about anybody abusing me or sexually assaulting me. I had a, um, a faith in God led me to the what was leading me and guiding me. And I would listen to people and I would observe people. I was more cautious because of what I went through, but I refuse to, to believe that everybody is that way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so my, my, my path has not been glory pretty because, uh, but, but there are things that happen. I, I didn't have nightmares. I, I never suffered nightmares when I was a little girl. I love <laughs> sleeping. I could sleep anywhere under <laughs> anything, you know, I could sleep. And so one thing that I did do that I noticed, there is a need to redeem ourselves. There is a need to identity. Who are we? Are we the monster? Are we the evil person? Did we cause that to happen? What did we say? What did we do? Mm -hmm. And for me, there was a need to redeem myself. There was anger towards my father for not being there as a family. I knew he couldn't stop the abuse because of what he was going through. He couldn't be there for us, Mm -hmm. but there was a need to redeem myself. So when I heard about my mother's, um, um, unsuccessful journey to become a nurse, I decided to go down that path. I said that day out loud that he may have stopped you, but he will not stop me. Didn't know anything about nursing. Never had a clue. Didn't even look at the red flags when I went to Candy Stripe and it was like, I don't want to do this, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> nursing opened a door for me. It taught me keywords, resilient. I learned about resiliency. I learned about Maslow's hierarchy need. I learned about growing old gracefully. I learned about conditioning and thought. And that led me on a path of seeing people come in the hospital with physical manifestations, but emotional disturbances that Mm. I knew there was a link somehow not able to really articulate it. There's a link between childhood trauma and adult behavior and those physical symptoms that we have. And I knew that. And I, and I would, there were, there would be this anger frustration in me that people should not have to stop living their life because of what somebody else did to them. And even in my twenties, I did not know exactly how to help. I did um, go through some survivor's guilt, but God has recircled me to a place where we, we have been here um, before coming here. I, and, and like I said, I, my husband, and I used to stay in Ohio and live in Ohio. We had our two children there. 
And one day I asked, cause I was, I was in limbo of nursing. I've always never felt at home with nursing. I always felt like I was skimming the surface of what mm. was going on deep down. And one day I just asked, because I had gotten used to this, this voice, this presence is that, what am I here to do? What, how will I make my mark? And I, I felt like I heard writing and a series of events led and happened. And we ended here away from everything to on the coast, to me eventually writing and really trying to um, share my story with people. Because I know a lot of people, when I, I, I did research back in St. Louis when I lived there, but I've lived by myself. But here I realized that a lot of people you know, we get so caught in our lives. I was caught in my lives. I was taking care of my children, feeling blessed that I had them and realizing that so many people are still struggling, that anxiety, PTSD, memories. And yeah. it's like, I, mm -hmm. I want to say there is another way. You do yeah. not have to struggle with what someone else did to you, that there is a generational cycle of pain and people project their pain on you a lot. Uh, often, sometimes what happens is that people that are hurting sometimes, unfortunately, hurt others mm -hmm. because they don't know how to deal with their pain and, and, and in, a, in a healthy way that we can actually turn that dark pain into our into furthering or, or brightening our light and say this. You can get out of the darkness. You don't have to stay there. And when I think about memories, what I have learned for me personally is that memories, PTSD, remembering things, anything that is not of us, because we tend to sometimes take on the baggage of other people's pain. Mm -hmm. Anything that is not of us will rise to the surface. Just like when you're, you know, uh, making ghee, butter, you know, anything that is, does not, and, and not saying that butter is not <laughs> real, but I'm, I'm trying to give a visual <laughs> that anything that does not belong to us will rise to the surface. And I believe it comes in the form of nightmares, in the form of daymares, in the form of triggers mm -hmm. that somehow we still have some baggage. Mm -hmm. that we need to release from us. Yeah. And I, I, I believe that we are greater than our experience. So I've taken on myself to, um, I started, I worked on my memoir in 2017, mm -hmm. um, just kind of when I came out of caring for my children at home in Ohio, then I kind of put it aside. And then I worked on it some more in 2019 for Nano. That's, that's the time I, I worked on it. And then I started working on it in 20 and just kind of putting it down and, and writing because I, you know, I, I think we, you know, it's just a matter of process of making sure you're saying or writing what you want to say that, mm -hmm. that will be helpful. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I've, I've been doing that and now I have, um, completed my manuscript regarding, um, my, my memoir of my abuse. And it's, it's not, I don't focus on what the abuse itself, I focus on my journey, yeah. my spiritual journey and the lessons that I've learned and circling back to home, to the child that is within me, to yeah. the child that has a mission, to the mm -hmm. child that you will feel, sometimes we feel like 
trust, we, we're to blame. Shame comes from, you know, we trusted somebody to care for us. We guilt that, you know, maybe I shouldn't have been as more curious or joyful, but those are our natural abilities. Mm-hmm. And people unfortunately took that for something else. Yeah. They use that against us, but your natural abilities are not your enemy. They mm-hmm. are where your light lies. They are where your mission, your purpose on earth lies. And that's where I want people to get that we mm-hmm. can, we can use what we've gone through to remember who we are, that we are greater than our experience. So I've started writing. I, over the years, I've, I've been writing what I thought was novels, but I believe there are screenplays. And my focus has been on drama, on breaking the cycle of pain, because I believe when we see things, that's why writing to me is so healing, because mm-hmm. it engages all of us. Mm-hmm. Our, our mind, our memories, our the nervous system, our physical, and that um, when we actually see things, when I see things on paper, see things on paper, I'm able to really see. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. able to, okay, is that a myth? Is that uh, the truth? Mm-hmm. And for me, I feel like people need to see this cycle of pain. We need to, to shed light into what is being transferred from generation to generation so that we can, we can um, create, break the cycle of pain by creating a cycle of love. Yeah. And that's where I'm at right now. I so. love that. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your journey and your story and your insights. I just, I really love just the vulnerability, but also um, just the excitement for, for the healing journey. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a hard thing to walk on, as you know, as all of our listeners know, Um, but there are, it's, it's also a privilege, you know, it's a privilege to be able to heal and to, to grow, to look back and see where you've been and where you are now. And you've been able to do that in so many different ways, tangible, non-tangible, but, um, something that was really sticking out to me as you were talking is the idea of things rising to the surface and the triggers, um, and then the inner child. I mean, I think that's something that I'm learning a lot about right now is just who I am and the things that get me worked up the things that make me feel unsafe, like the things where I immediately have a reaction are often a pattern in my life. And if you don't look at it, you know, you talked about chronic issues. If you don't look at those things, if you don't pay attention, it just becomes a thing where it's like, well, I hate this part of me, but it's just who I am. Or you don't even realize it's a part of you, but everybody else knows. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But when you take the time to really pay attention or really look at it, and then if you go backwards and are able to look at your inner child and see, okay, does this have a link way back then? Oh yeah. Well, I didn't feel protected in this specific circumstance. So yes, obviously it's going to play out in my forties too. You know, I, I love the picture of things rising the surface, pay attention to that. You can skim it off. You really can in the right way, therapy, you know what I mean? In the right safe spaces to be able to process these things. Um, like you said, to be able to, to achieve the best health possible. Speaking of holidays, once they're over, we're starting a new Unleash group. I'm so excited. 
January and February. Uh, we'll do another eight-week group for survivors. So we've got lots of videos, survivor stories, um, journal prompts. There's a free ebook that goes along with it. And then we meet for eight straight weeks. And it's so fun. We've done one full year of these groups and it's been one of the best things um, that I think I have ever created. And I'm so just honored by the survivors who've joined us. Many have been repeat um, participants and have just gotten so much out of each course because every group it's eight or less in every single group. And we've just grown to, to love each other. And the topics are amazing that come up each week and just supporting each other and loving each other and just a place to show up and be yourself to take off all the expectations, especially through the holiday seasons. Like let's drop the expectations. Let's drop all of the things that we're supposed to feel obligated to do and be and say and act like, and look like, and all the things that we can just be there for an hour together and talk about our healing, talk about our hopes, talk about the things that have held us back and figure out how we're going to get ourselves free. And it's just been such an amazing, amazing opportunity for a lot of survivors. And I'm excited to offer a few groups. So please check them out. The times are listed um, at imonevoice.org. You click on the Unleash link. Also, we are adding for those who have already participated in an Unleashed group in 2021, we are adding a special holiday support group um, this December 15th. So those who've already been an Unleashed alumni, you know, we know the holiday season can feel extra heavy for survivors. So being able to have the support of one another to know that we're not alone, I think sometimes can carry us through. So if you have participated in a leash group in the past, please find the information. Um, it's on our Facebook page. It's on Instagram. It's on Twitter. And it's on our website. If you go to imonevoice.org slash unleash, you will find a link for the holiday support group. Um, you can sign up for that. There is um, not a limited amount of seats. So we are going to have an amazing Hopefully a, a decently large gathering of all those who have participated in Leash. We're going to have trauma experts sharing. We're going to have survivors. We're going to have some special survivors who have participated in the videos that are going to show up and share some holiday survival tips. And it's just going to be a lot of fun and laughter and just um, getting together again. So sorry for the long commercial, but really excited about what we have to offer for the holidays and leading into January and February. And lastly, if you are signing up for the January, February online course, you will get free access to the December 15th holiday survival. So that's a hundred dollars off. We're offering right now for three months of survivor care. It's videos, it's an ebook, it's journal prompts, and then there'll be nine virtual support groups. If you sign up for the January, February course. So sign up now, imonevoice.org slash unleash and use coupon code earlybird80. I wonder if you have any other kinds of tips when it comes to, to that link, that link between the chronic health issues and trauma, not only paying attention because that's where I'm at right now, paying attention and processing it in safe spaces. But what else do you think can help us to achieve, um, yeah, our best, our best selves? 
Right. And when I say pay attention, we have to look at, I, you know, the, the body is an amazing thing. You know, one of the things that I've learned throughout my nursing career and my studies mm-hmm. and just over 20 years in the nursing field in the healthcare industry is that the, the, what we say to ourselves gets mm-hmm. programmed into our nervous system. And That's so yeah. I, I encourage to write things down. Um, because I think part mm-hmm. of it, and if you can't write it, speak it. Um, yeah. but I, I truly believe we have to dismantle the myths that once you realize what your beliefs are, write them down, say them. It's probably easier for me, I, I think, to write them down, but write them down and see, okay, is that a myth? Or is that a reality? Did I pick that from someone else? Because mm-hmm. until you have to unload, find a way to unload this and really pick it apart and say, because I tell people the thing that you don't want to do is often a thing that you need to do. Mm-hmm. And so we need to really look at the messages that we are programming inside of our nervous system, because when we program it in our nervous system, remember our nerves go through every body part. So when we talk about, we have eye issues and we talk about heart issues, you know, people have had chronic anxiety, panic attacks, mm-hmm. um, stomach issues, Yeah, that all of that plays a role and who and what we present and, and what happens to us. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest thing with the chronic is really look at what messages you have been, you've programmed within yourself mm-hmm. to somehow find a way to pick apart that. Do you think you're stupid? Do you mm-hmm. think you're ugly? Do you think you're trash? For me, that message that came that I'm afraid of men. And luckily my brain did whatever it needed to do to say, okay, you can't live like that. But if you are... If you notice there is a pattern, that pattern comes from something that you Mm -hmm. have allowed to grow within you. Like I said, seeds of doubt. If you, whatever it is, you you, you have to pay attention to your life. It's important to seek professional support if you need it, if you feel like you need it. And I think journaling is so often, you know, useful for me, uh, um, I think I'm, I'm going to say it right, Julia Cam- Cameron, Natalie Goldberg, or, or some of the ones that talk about writing and really releasing that within us. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other link is that the other thing that I want you, that I would encourage is who do you identify with? Who do you identify with? Because for me, it, it, in, in my case, it was Jesus for me. It was God. It was, it was for nature, seeing the trees that I would look up, look at every day across me that this one beautiful tree that despite the weather, every year it came back even more beautiful. It's, it's thick trunk. It's poised nature. What do you identify with? It doesn't have to be about religion. It can be something in nature. It could be, you know, I use the word infinite intelligence. I use higher power. Do you identify with those that did that to you? You know, do you see yourself as evil because you identify with them? And so we have to find out not only the messages, but also who do you identify with? You know, what Mm -hmm. principles do you stand on? And that that's important too, as well. But when we talk about the link between trauma, we look at the past, we have to look at the past Mm -hmm. and the past is not to bring about 
shame or guilt or anger. The mm-hmm. past is seeing that child that is still within you. When I, when I think about my memories, my memories don't scare me because I'm looking at the child in me that, that conviction birthed out of her to say, this I will not do to someone else. I will never force myself on someone. The conviction that when I was told by the family member that it wasn't that bad, the one, the nice one, he turned around one day and he told me it wasn't that bad. And I held on to my truth. I didn't go back and say, no, I didn't lie because every cell in your body, and this is key to trauma, knows what happened to you. Yeah. There is no getting around it. You can keep pushing it down as much as you want to, but every part of your being knows what happens. Mm -hmm. And so we have to acknowledge and accept that that is a part of my, of my journey. Mm -hmm. I cannot undo that. And it was my mother's principles that helped me that you have to move forward. You have to acknowledge your truth Mm -hmm. because until you can do that, you're, you're going to keep. It's almost like you're circling around back and back to the same area that is saying, pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need you to pay attention. And yeah. it's not for your harm. It's for your benefit because you need to finally let this go. Yeah. And I found when you're able to look at yourself as that child, it's easier. It's still hard for many, but it's I find easier to be able to validate the child within versus the current version of me. You know, like if I look at myself as a child, I might give her a lot more grace than I give myself now. And I found then somehow it has this ripple effect that goes from her at three or five or 12, whatever age I'm speaking back to, or I'm looking back at, or I'm acknowledging, or I'm validating or whatever it has a ripple effect all the way up to 41. It it's an amazing thing, but it's like at the 41 year old me, I would not give myself that much grace or mercy. I would say, you, you need to figure this out. You need to be better. You, you should be past this, but no, like the little Nicole, she, there's a reason why I feel this way now because she wasn't validated. I think too, is that in talking about that, I I feel the same way that it's easier to be gentle with the little Mary, but also I think about taking that idea and concept and treating the old Mary with the gentle hands that I would, the the little Mary, I would treat the same as the old Mary. So, and Tamika, I have Julia Cameron's book right here. I love that you brought that up (laughs) because I've been on my own recent journey of, like you said, paying attention And I've caught myself in this place of just grinding it out and just being on autopilot. My body hurts, all those things that you're saying of the things that live deep within ourselves. And I've got tired of living that way. And I'm going to be 40 in June. I just resigned from my job after 15 years because I'm ready to shake some things up. And this book helped me get there because it, it does, it opens some pathways Um, I've been thinking about working at a horse farm. I just want to do something nurturing for myself and something I've never done. And it is, you've got to get some of that old stuff out there to replace it with the new and also just to heal the pathways that got messed up along the journey. So absolutely. Absolutely. And some of that is unconscious that, that, you know, there are things that we probably tell ourselves and there there's energy. I mean, there's all this energy and energy 
energy goes, it goes and it can transfer to people. And you, so you have to be mindful, not just the words that you've told yourself, Mm -hmm. but mindful that some of that stuff comes from other stuff, other, Mm -hmm. the people that projected their pain on you. So again, it's not my thing, even as a health coach, when I would tell people it's guilt-free life, it's, it, you know, that, that guilt can really, um, cause a, um, a destructive nature is destructive pathway in you that, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we have our body naturally is wired with the flight or fight, um, system. And when it's constantly on rise, you have the cortisol, you have the weight that you gain in your abdomen, you have the stress that it caused on other vessels, constriction of your blood vessels, it, it is a, a um, what did I call it? It's basically like the, an internal programming that takes place sometimes without you even knowing it. Mm. And we have to, I, I think with the link is spending time in nature, spending time of what we're a part of, what we are, spending time even just looking out and realizing that again, we are, we are greater than our experiences. So Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what yeah. I noticed too, is a lot of the, the, the guilt that you're talking about and the, the chronic, honestly, the, the pain, I think that we carry in our bodies. Oftentimes it's not just a link to the trauma. A lot of times it's also connected to caretaking of people around us. When we are survivors, we are always looking to take care of the feelings of others. Right. And we're trying Absolutely. to create um, equilibrium in peace. our homes. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Keep the peace and yeah. keep everybody else happy yes. at our own expense. But and we, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I just think that there's a, there's a major link there as well. That is not acknowledged as much. Yeah. We're, we're not the sacrificial lambs. Mm-hmm. We, we are not, um, there is a, and I, and I love that peacemaker that you brought that up because I do try to keep the peace, but we have to ask ourselves at what expense. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I noticed that my, when we find our voice, part of self-care and loving who we are is speaking our truth. If something doesn't bother us, we need to say it. Because silence, one of one of the lessons I learned is silence enables. It it tells people that it's okay to say things. It's okay to treat us a certain way. And even yeah. with my husband, I find myself even more honest and just saying it. You know, and it's like I I you know there is a to me there's always a way to say something. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to scream, yell, or call people outside their name. But to to confidently boldly speak. What is on your mind? If you don't like something, then you're, you're honoring yourself Mm -hmm. that, you know, keeping the peace, but at what price? Because honestly, if you are not being true to yourself, there's no peace inward. Mm -hmm. And so you're not really, you think you're keeping the peace on the outside, but you're, you're, there's turmoil on the inside. And eventually what's inside, as you guys know, will come out on the outside. Mm-hmm. That those those um, moments when you are yelling and arguing and impatient, you know, it, it doesn't have to be abuse, but it could be that frustration, that anger that comes up. This all the stuff that you've been keeping in you again, it doesn't belong to you, and you're keeping it in you. Eventually, it comes out. 
-hmm. So peace, the peace is actually when we're, when we're um, submitting to what someone says, are we doing something that we shouldn't be doing or, and we know we shouldn't be doing it, that that in itself eventually is going to play out. It's only momentary. It's an illusion of peace mm -hmm. instead of true peace. True peace comes when you honor yourself with how you feel. And, mm -hmm. and that's important because that's what gets us. And I, I think th that played a, a very important role in my abuse is that I did not honor what I knew, what I felt was wrong. And so that was one of the things that I started, my voice started coming out when I would see people, other people treated unfairly because mm -hmm. I knew what it felt like to feel powerless. I yeah. knew what it feel like, felt like to really wanted to say something and felt like I couldn't say it. Mm -hmm. And so when we, when we're doing that and as an adult, we're honestly doing this, the same thing where we're not speaking our truth. Yeah. And so we have to be different. What I knew as a child, I know better now as an adult, I know I need to speak my truth mm -hmm. because there's still domestic violence. All of this is microcosms of the big generational cycle of darkness. Pain is that domestic violence in the same realm. We're silent, silent, we're, we're, we're silencing our voices when someone is hurting, projecting their pain on us. Elder abuse, we're silencing our voices when someone else is projecting their pain on us. And so we have to remember that what am I doing today? This pattern is that a reflection of what I did as a child and what do I know now to do? If I've already tried that and it didn't work, it kept me in abuse it kept them doing what they were doing, then that tells me I need to try something different. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want people to think. Do something different. If mm -hmm. your voice was silenced, then it's time to find your voice. Yeah. It's time to honor yourself because we've been through the dishonoring. I've been there. And so I, I don't want to be there anymore. Pain was a great teacher for me. I don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to be shameful. I don't want or feel shame. I don't want to feel like I know better and I don't do better. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to live my life. Mm -hmm. And life is such a precious thing. You guys, we are here for a reason. You have purpose, you have gifts, you have talents. You are here for a reason. And it's not to be the, the object of pain. It is to shine your light and to say no more. And mm -hmm. you say it with your voice and you like one voice, you mm -hmm. say it with your actions and you take your life back. It's mm -hmm. not too late to do that. Yeah. I love that. And it's also just such a great topic around holidays and a new year starting, you know, to take your life back, to not be afraid Absolutely. to say what feels good and what doesn't to you, where your boundary is, you know, I just think there's so much freedom and peace that comes from dropping obligations that we've lived with our whole lives. Absolutely. And taking obligations, care of yes. all the people around us versus finding what's best for me. Absolutely. We are not responsible for the lives of others. We're not responsible for their life. We are responsible for our life. Like you said, Nicole, we are not responsible for others' happiness that kept me in, in the abuse, we are not responsible for, no child is responsible for an adult's action or reaction. Mm -hmm. There's nothing a child can do 
that says, you do that to me, you hurt me. There's nothing we can do that, that will cause them to do that. So that's part of letting go of the shame and the guilt. We are not responsible for it. And I'm glad you bring up around the holiday season. And I didn't realize that a lot of people, this is a hard time for a lot of people, but this would also be the time that you take back your life. Like Mm -hmm. you said, take back your life. And it's one day at a time. And just believing that you deserve better is a start. Yeah, that is a start. Because it all stems from there. If you believe that you matter and you're worth it and your, your happiness is worth it, your peace on a specific day is worth it. You'll make hard decisions. You'll say things you're not used to saying and you'll wait and see how it goes. And you know what, on the other side, it's probably going to be worth it. Right. Because you're worth it and you'll learn that. Absolutely. And you get to a point that you don't wait <laughs> what they're going to, what they're going to say. You feel good that you said what you said. And, and you know, there is a power <laughs> I within. Said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a power within. And I've, I, and if you pay attention to yourself, how you feel mm-hmm. when you speak your truth, yeah. there is a power of confidence. There's something that is released in you when you speak your truth. And I felt that mm-hmm. and it feels way better than, than not. Yeah. 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 And I think that's something to, to notice, to pay attention to, to journal, to talk about, to process is that feeling, you know, you try it once a lot of it's practicing. I'm going to practice this maybe in this relationship that might feel a little safer first and see how that goes. That felt really good. I felt, I felt honored here. (laughs) Now I'm going to try it here with this dude that (laughs) might not, it might not go as well, but I'm going to feel, I feel really good about it. And it went okay. You know, and it's like, it's like, you're talking, you're revving your engine up to really make some hard, hard boundaries or drop an obligation that you've done for too long or yeah. Seek out your best life, your best peace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well said. I love that revving up your engine. And, and that's like anything we do in life. I mean, it takes practice. If you think about, I think about my career as a nurse, I didn't know what I was doing in the beginning. You, mm. you put me out there on the floor. I probably would have fainted. You know? yeah. so, I mean, yeah. it, it, everything is a practice mm. and even, even negative or harmful thoughts that takes practice to be, mm-hmm. to get there that you constantly telling yourself. So it's like you're, you're turning around and choose, okay, do I want to continue these harmful negative thoughts because, or do I want to start positive thoughts? Because either way, both of them take practice. One is probably not going to end as, as well, you know, as far as the process of going through that and what you attract in your life. But on the other hand, If Mm -hmm. I am more positive, I'm programming that in my mind and I'm attracting things that probably going to be more positive Mm -hmm. and I'm going to feel more confident because, I mean, you know, I tell people, even when I'm writing my story and I thought about it and I tell my kids, the truth needs no confirmation. Mm -hmm. I don't have to beat it down in the two family members. And this is one of the things that a lot of people, because of family and um, the holiday season, Mm-hmm. Is that they believe that because someone else didn't believe my story, I was my grandmother called me a liar. Um, the the person, uh, one of the fa- family male members, the nice one, he said, you know, 
Um, it wasn't that bad, mm-hmm. you know, so they, and, and, and nobody really picked on me after that, as far as what was done to me, I had a cousin come to me and ask me, ask me what happened, but you have to realize that you cannot force someone to believe your truth. Yeah. I don't care who they are. That's and I true. realized a long time ago, family members have emotions and feelings too. They experience jealousy. They experience anger. They are human just like you. And a lot of, often we get stuck in these titles. They're my coach. They're my uh, grandmother, my grandpa. And, and that's fine with the titles, but remember they are human too. Mm-hmm. That I had to break that myth and believing because they are this title, they had to be for me. They had to be for my truth. Mm-hmm. And I, and I want just everybody to know the truth needs no confirmation from anyone. Yeah. People are often stuck in their pain and they, they will not recognize your pain mm-hmm. if they can't recognize their own, if they won't recognize their own. So when we, I, yeah. I, I know it's, it's hard to say, but they're my mom, they're my dad. They, they were part of it. They, they helped me or they didn't help me. And it's like, you know, I realized my parents had their own pain dealing with that, mm-hmm. that, you know, so I, there, I'm not putting the blame on them. I'm putting responsibility on me mm-hmm. to say that I can re I can break the cycle of pain by being true to myself, by teaching my son and my daughter to honor and respect life, regardless of color, race, what gender, whatever it is mm-hmm. that when no means no, we can teach people what we didn't have. And that's another point. We can teach people become, first of all, become what you did not have. Don't wait for people to substantiate you. Don't wait for people to say you are human. I value you. When I had brought it to the nicer family member and I said, I called him one day on the phone. He was in his forties. I'm in my twenties. And I said, um, I tried, I thought maybe he would eventually, he would now be ready to tell the truth. He said, nope, wasn't me. I didn't mm-hmm. do it. And I was just, I, I was just in shock. <laughs> like, really? And so that day I, I hung up the phone. I was frustrated at first. I hung up the phone and I said, I'm letting that go. That's between God and him. Mm-hmm. We have to get to a point where we let it go to something higher than ourselves and realize that when people cannot, when, when they do not want to own accept, acknowledge their pain, it's going to be very hard for them, for them to do it to us. That I do not, I'm not even worried about, I I have a freedom. One of the poems I did, freedom from apology. There's no need to apologize because I know what happened to me. Does that make sense? Do you Mm -hmm. understand Mm -hmm. that? I know what happened. You know what happened. Yeah, because it's your truth. And really, you don't need anybody to validate it because it is what it is for you. So the outside people, they can think what they want. Now, in my opinion, they should have done this. They should have done that in that role. Like, how could you ever respond like this? This is how I would have if I had known, you know, there are all those things, but it cannot It's like you have a fortress, like a shield around your truth, because what they say, what they don't say, even if they did the perfect reaction, it still doesn't change your truth that's inside of it. Yeah, absolutely. It does not change what happened, no matter. And I realize real nice. Right. But it doesn't change. Yeah, it doesn't change. So you don't live or die or fly or rise or, you know, 
fall from their reaction. Absolutely. No amount of blame. I realize no amount of blame, no amount of anger, no amount of guilt, no amount of shame is going to undo what was done. Right. None. Right. Yeah. Just like you were saying there, it would be nice if people acknowledged, recognized, apologized. Um, But I just think about our healing journey requires nothing from anyone else. It is all us. We are on an, an island by ourselves, which is not to be something to beat us down. But I remember Tamika, a counselor, probably 10 years ago, when I first started looking at my healing journey from sexual abuse, it was like session two. And I was so pissed when she said this to me, what happened to you is not your fault, but it is your responsibility for your healing journey. And I was upset thinking, why do I have to clean up and undo what someone else did to me? But she reminded me that that's an empowering feeling to know that the first time in my life, I am in control of me. No one can touch me. No one can shake me. No one can ever take advantage of me again because I'm in control now. So that puts me on a a path of knowing that I don't need anybody from anything from anybody else. Um, and sure you have people come alongside you who are safe and supportive, but I don't have to be stuck in a place of needing anything from anyone to propel me forward and feeling better from head to toe. Perfectly said. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Tamika, tell us what you're doing now. You're still writing while you're staring at the ocean. That's amazing. (laughs) What else? Like you are doing some coaching. Um, Right now I've, I've, I held, um, I'm not doing coaching right now. I am actually uh, with NASCA and it's the NASA association dealing with adult survivors of child abuse. Um, I do um, co-host and I am one of their hosts for their show Mm -hmm. and that I've kind of put, I've put my, coaching on hand on, on hold. And I said, I want to stick to this writing and see where this, this takes me. Like I I have other memoirs that I've been working on one about my father, um, that, that was part of Nano this, this month or actually last month. So I've been working on that and just continue. I have a, a list of writing projects that I've been working on. Um, and that's what I'm doing right now. And so um, I just just continue to pray about my direction and my guidance. But I feel like what I've been told is writing is how I'm going to that is my part of my purpose. And that is part of helping people to heal and to do the work that they're here to do, to remember who they are. And so that's where I've been focused on. So pretty much just the, the co-hosting, blogging, writing, um, looking for um, a publisher for my book. So other than that, that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I wanted to hear you before we let you go. We do want to hear how to connect with you and everything like that. But I I read on your website, one of your like life mottos or something like that. There's quite a few and I love thinking, <laughs> but one of something that you mentioned really hit me is that, um, experiences build off of each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. what I have learned, even with the sexual, the, the childhood sexual abuse is that I believe that that experience with abuse help me, the lessons that I learned helped me to transcend many of my other experiences mm-hmm. that I believe relationships meet you where you are. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. that even my boyfriends to my marriage to other teachers that were signposts to help guide and, and show me if I'm going in the right direction. I have a set, and, and that's part of my memoir, is I have a set of things that I learned that I learned to be more cautious. I learned to start using my voice that I believe it helped me to avoid nightmares. It helped mm-hmm. me to avoid thinking I was more of a victim. It helped me to avoid um, becoming having teenage pregnancy, that I became more observant um, to life, more aware of what was going on, more of seeing, okay, this is not the path I want to go on. Some relationships I had to leave and let go. But I believe relationships meet you where you are and show you where you are probably needing to grow a little bit more, you know, that, um, that's why I, I spend less time in focusing on what somebody else did to me mm-hmm. and more on what I need to learn about myself now. Yeah. And one of the things, and I'll be real brief. One of the things that I, that I learned is that I was on after the abuse, I was on a journey of finding love because I knew what love was not. Now, granted, I didn't have that many relationships, but there are things that I put up with and, 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 it, and those relationships led me to that. If you don't love yourself, how can you expect other people to love you? Yeah. Right. And so every relationship just continue to show me some things. If you take time, the relationships will teach you about yourself. And it's not about teaching you're a bad person. It's teaching you that maybe you're silencing your voice for the wrong reason when we go yeah. through abuse, yeah. you know? So, well, you yeah. opened this podcast talking about, you don't like the word mistakes. You like life, life lessons. Yes. And that just really, it, it plays off of that in so many ways because it's about perspective. You know, it's yeah. such a, it's such a small shift to move from looking back at all of the dysfunction and the toxic relationships, the horrible decisions that you made out of your trauma. You don't even know you're getting into, and it becomes this thing and it can be so shameful and you can walk through life with guilt versus a survivor who can look back and say, well, that build on that. I learned from that. Then God still made some mistakes, but got better. And it's like, if you can look at yourself in a different way, I just love like your outlook on life is so different from survivors who want to hold the shame and the guilt and just, you know, do away with all of that yeah. versus it's, learning it's, from it yeah. and saying, yeah. well, I'm better here today because I walked through that. That was a mess, but here we are. It's right. So good. It's really good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That you, you said it so well. It's it's about perspective. Everything mm-hmm. and anything, if you look at it in life, is about what you believe. What what are your thoughts about that? It's about perspective. Mm-hmm. So changing your perspective, and I say your internal programming can change your outlook on life, can change your health, and healing can change how you um, respond to memories about abuse can re- can nightmares about abuse that and, and I and that was what happened to me that I didn't see my memories as against me I saw conviction I saw my child my inner child that didn't want that yeah. you know and so we have to hold on to that because I believe you know even though I've been on a 20-year detour of nursing it really helped me to see the other side. It helped me to see that unless we address Mm -hmm. childhood trauma, we will continue to wear it. We will continue to wear it on the inside. 
and the outside. (laughs) So you have to address it. Mm -hmm. And I know it's hard. I've been there, Mm. but it's, it's, it it has to be on some level. It, it, It really frees you when they say the truth, will set you free. Yeah. It will set you free. Mm. I just picture, you know, a survivor wearing just loads of layers and layers of clothing. Yes. Yes. Like if you can change a perspective on specific things or go backwards and, and change the way you talk about the situation or talk about yourself, it's like, you can remove some of the heavy wool coats you've got on. Yeah. And make your life a little lighter. Mm. Yeah. It's a really great picture, Tamika. Gosh, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a treat. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for being Mary and Nicole, who you are and bringing voice, bringing light, bringing light to the darkness. And especially during the, just all year round, just even in the holiday season, during the holiday season, helping people to see that there is another way that you don't have to continue to struggle. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, ladies, for all the work that you're doing and you continue to do. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Tamika. How would you like people to contact you or would you rather they didn't? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've made it pretty easy that I I am on social media. Um, My website, TamikaSChambers.com, same username, same name on Twitter, Instagram, um, I do have um, an email address and I'll spell it. It's um, just so they make sure it's T is in Tom, I is in India, M is in Mary, I is in India, K is in kangaroo, A is in apple, J is in Jack at live, L as in Larry, I is in India, V is in Victor, E dot com. Feel free to email me any questions you have, anything I can do to support you. They can. Um, there is another email address through my website, but that's one that I definitely, you know, um, that gives them quick access to me, but okay. feel free. Yeah. Excellent. Cause you, you're not alone. You're not alone. That's right. Mm. We're not alone. Thank you, Tamika. Thank you, Nicole and Mary. Thank you so Thank much. You. you guys take care. Happy holidays. You too. <laughs> All right. Good luck finishing that book. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's done. It's just, I moved on oh, to another got one. got you. Oh, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> All right. We'll see All you right. next time. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.